You are listening to season three of the Not Neurotypical podcast. I'm your host, Laura Stan, and this season has a very new big plot twist. So hold on tight, strap on your seatbelts, because it's still going to be a bumpy ride. And is that bumpy ride ever going to get smoother? Season three of the Not Neurotypical podcast is proudly sponsored by Timo, the award-winning app designed to support neurodivergent people with routine and scheduling. Head to your app store and type T-I-I-M-O to learn more. What is one thing that you feel has been missing in your life? Can you pinpoint one thing that is more real than anything else that may affect every level of your perception and your world and what's going on around you and how you experience the world, whether good or bad? Is there one thing that seems to affect you more than anything else? For me, that one thing is connection. And we will talk more about that after this. I want to invite you to take a survey and this survey is looking into the support needs and the supports that are missing, which are most of them for neurodivergent adults. And I really want to hear from you. So if you haven't taken it yet, I am putting a link in my description, in the description for this episode. And I would love to hear your thoughts and please take the survey and let me know. Um, I think that I see a lot of the patterns and I have some preconceived ideas about what is missing, but I would really like to hear from you, from our community about what you think is missing, how you feel about current supports, what is currently working for you, and what are you looking for? Because there's just not much out there beyond therapy, and therapy is hard enough for us. And it's hard to find a good therapist. It's hard to find a therapist that understands what we go through or what we're even looking for, what's good for us and understands our forms of communication. It's almost impossible to find a neurodivergent therapist. They don't often market that side of them. So it's just rough out there. And I would love to hear your personal input in the survey. So fill it out and we'll go from there. I am your host, Laura Stan, and it is October 27th, and we are diving into a concept and ideas that I've been thinking about for a long time. And I've talked about connection and my inability to do so at times, or other times my overconnection to the world around me, feeling too much, taking in too much information, struggling to control the flow of information and connection, whether it be too much or too little. And 
overall, it's just something that nobody really understands. There has been a lot of studies done about connection. There is a connectivity theory of autism, which states that autistic brains have different connectivity. Our brains connect and flow differently than other brains. Same with all neurodivergent people. This is why we describe different neurotypes as different neurotypes. What makes them a different neurotype is because the connections, the connectivity between the different parts of the brains work differently. Now, it just so happens that neurotypical brains are the most common type of brain. And that's why when we talk about our connectivity pattern differences, it is different and it's not as well understood and all of that because in the past and still today, there is this idea that is false, but the overwhelming idea is that there's one way to be, one way that everyone should be, there is a better way, and that's the majority way. And as we grow as a society and as a community and everything, I think a lot of us are seeing that that's just not true. And that's exactly what the neurodiversity paradigm talks about and believes in is that different is not less, different is just different. Um, but connection is something that I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. I remember not knowing how to describe it, but just feeling disconnected as a kid to everything, my family, my friends, and school and learning and so much. But also as a kid and even as an adult, you don't know why things are going on because we only know how we live and how we perceive and all of that. It's very hard to realize that everyone experiences the world around them so differently. Everyone is connected differently. So what is normal? I personally don't believe there's a normal at all. I believe that we probably all connect very differently. And I don't think it's only tied to neurotype. I think there's so much more involved, but we are at the very beginning of understanding connection and brain connectivity and autism and different neurotypes and everything, ADHD. It's all brand new. This is all new. Our society as we know it is brand new. I mean, a hundred years ago, there, everything was different. There, there was nothing that's the same, hardly. The only thing that I would say is the same is money, except the need and desire for it has seemed to grow negatively. But there is so much about connection that I don't think I can talk about it in just one podcast. But the truth is that connection is something that is mystifying. 
I can't tell you how many times I've really, truly, deeply believed that I've connected with someone and then later realized that it was just me. And that is so hurtful. It, it hurts. I can't tell you how many times someone else clearly thought they were connecting with me and I didn't pick up on it and they act weird and then I act weird. And later, you know, years later, I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I probably (laughs) misread that situation. You know, connection is something that is so important to communities and families and relationships. It's also something that we feel so differently It's what I believe directly puts us on a different wavelength than others in a lot of ways. It's that thing where you meet someone and you just instantly connect and you know this person is like me. Like that's what happens when I meet autistic people, especially autistic plus ADHD together people like me. There is just something, and it's not all of them, but there's something about specific groups of people where it's like, Oh, I can just talk. I can let my guard down. I, I know they're going to get me. They're not going to be weird if I say things quote unquote weird. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things. Like there really is just different neurotypes and people who get each other, people who don't get each other. And within the neurotypical neurotype, there is surely that as well. This is not, you know, just us, but connection is what I believe to be the largest issue facing communities, especially ours as a whole. Um, And how do I put this? I don't know. We're in a time where there's a huge illusion of connection. And I say illusion because just because you're looking at a screen does not mean you're connected to it at all. And I think there's this idea that we are more connected than ever. And I think that might be the total opposite for a lot of us. Support groups, they may aim to connect people together like people that can share and grow. But I don't think many are truly fostering real connection. And I think that's what's missing. Therapy is more about connection to yourself, which is definitely something some of us struggle with. I deeply, you know, have had to learn how to connect to myself. Um, But when you're talking about connecting to others, especially if you don't have the right therapist for you, it's kind of just like, oh, well, you know, here's a support group or or here's a group of people. Um, and you're just kind of tossed to the side in so many ways. So what do we do? <laughs> I don't know, but I would like to look more into this, into connection, how we can connect better, what type of support can we connect through? Um, I don't see many groups out there, Facebook groups, other groups that are really fostering a connection of our community. I think a lot of people have found that 
somewhat on social media, but I think the toxic nature of platforms that are only there to make money um, harms. I think it it does harm. And I'm not saying all money is evil. Obviously, there's survival in there and money can be used for good, surely. Um, but I think it's pretty clear now that social media um, how do I say this politically? <laughs> uh, I think we all know why social media is there. It's it's there to make money. Um, sure, there's side things that may be positive, like connecting people who never would have connected, and I've really appreciated that aspect of it. But what's the reality, and how do we face the reality together of connection? Well, let's talk about a couple studies that have come out about the connectivity theory of autism. Like I said, there's been multiple studies on this, including brain scans, um, mostly done on men. Let's just be real here. But we all know communication is different in autistic and neurodivergent people. And a lot of that has to do with our functional connectivity, as it's called, within our brain. And a growing number of studies have been done examining the specific patterns and how they differ. They have had a hard time grouping these people together. What they do know is they can see atypical patterns, but they're having a hard time basically connecting the dots. I wish more autistic people would be welcomed into these studies. And by that, I mean doing these studies because we often have advanced pattern recognition. We understand ourselves a little more. I understand um, the problems that can arise from that. But at the same time, I would be very interested to hear about qualified autistic people doing these research studies and seeing if the findings are different or more ethical or better. (laughs) Let's just say it as it is. I would like to see if they were done better and had better results that lead to better understanding and better acceptance. But as of right now, that's not something that they really advertise as far as who is neurodivergent doing these studies and all of that. Like I said, it's really hard to find that data. I'm not saying that neurodivergent people are not conducting studies. I'm sure they are. It's just really hard to find that information um, because of stigma and all of that. Um, It's tough. But like I said, the connectivity findings in these studies are very inconsistent. And one of the main reasons is because of our vast diversity. We all experience the world around us so differently. We all connect differently. We have a unique, what's the word, constellation, I guess I should say, of behavior and experiences, even genetics, all of it. It's it's all so very different. And I just find it funny that they were even trying to study individual connectivity patterns just because 
you take one look at a group of us and we are all so different and and it's just funny but um the larger data sets and brain imaging that has been done really does show different types of clusters of autistic individuals um and different types of patterns and it's very interesting and i i like to see where it goes because our brains is what separates us in a lot of ways and what makes us different. Like I said many times, it doesn't make us less. It makes us different at times. The studies have shown that our connection or connectivity between the parts of our brains, what makes us different is that very often when a neurotypical brain is resting, we are not resting. We are even more so connected than when we are doing a task or doing a task-oriented project. Um, and that is a huge difference between, I don't want to say a normal brain. I would prefer to say neurotypical brains or different neurotypes, but it's very interesting. It's interesting what they found. Um, another important factor that they found is age. Several studies have shown that connectivity differs between the same children and the same adults that are autistic, meaning that the connect the connectivity patterns change over time. I think any autistic person can tell you that. Um, of course, we need to research and, and study these things, but any of us that are neurodivergent can tell anybody that it looks very different as we grow and as we age. Things change. We feel things differently. Um, when I was a kid, I really didn't have many sensory sensitivities. I was very sensory seeking. I wanted, I was loud. I wanted things loud. I wanted music loud. I wanted TV loud. Um, I did everything boldly and strongly and fiercely. And now I am a massive avoider. I mean, the connectivity in my brain has changed so drastically. And I think, of course, some of that is trauma. Some of that is other things going on and all of that. But the core sensory things and, and brain connectivity, I can tell you for a fact, has changed majorly. And not just once, like childhood, teenager years, 20s and 30s have all, I feel like I've been a different person each decade. I feel like I'm a completely different person. And of course, everyone changes, but I, I mean that in a deep way. Um, you know, I would like to see that studied more, like the connectivity patterns of the same people and and how they've changed over time and what might explain that um it's very common basically they found in some of the studies that autistic children that have unusually strong connections in different areas of their brains tend to show weaker connections in some of the same networks in their adult years and vice versa. So it, it is really interesting. So if you have experienced that personally, studies are showing that to be true. 
will a doctor tell you that? They'll kind of graze over it. But if you tell someone, say you had mild connection um, severity, um, meaning like sensory stimulation and things like that, as a kid, you know, that can hinder you from getting a diagnosis. That's what people don't understand is if you need a lot of support as an adult and maybe you didn't need the same supports as a kid, there's nothing in the diagnostic criteria that really acknowledges that. And they're fine. I mean, these studies have been going on for 10 to 20 years. So it's not like new science or breakthrough science, but nowhere does it specify that the autistic experience can change. So if you're late diagnosed and you have a parent that says, no, this, my, my child was fine. Um, you know, I didn't notice any of that. And then all of a sudden now you're saying it, they tend to try to explain it from different things first, like mental health or personality disorders or whatever else you want to throw in there with the kitchen sink. But it's, it's true that things like this that are being studied and are being better understood are not being talked about enough to where it's helping us. It just feels like, and, and this is just me going off on a tangent, but in ADHD, while it is still extremely medical model oriented, I mean, the name alone, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, of course there's autism spectrum disorder, but the name of ADHD alone is like offensive. It's like really like, okay, so we, our brains wired differently. Um, it's just really an extreme name. Also, it's very interesting that the name doesn't even describe more than half of the people diagnosed with it. Um, not everyone who has ADHD is hyperactive. Um, it's just interesting. Um, but there are countless studies that have been done, countless, countless, countless studies that have been done within the ADHD world that are focused on improving adult diagnosis, as well as approving adult support and understanding. And we just don't see that in the autism world. Everything, almost everything is centered around studies that are looking for early intervention, early intervention, early inter intervention, even though studies are showing that it's just not the end-all be-all. Um, early intervention is not quite so supported as they once thought. Um, there's countless studies out there talking about um, kids who receive early intervention and kids who don't that were very similar. And they don't really know how well early intervention really works because a lot of kids who develop differently um, kind of even themselves out at some point, toddler years are tough for all toddlers. Toddlers are taking in massive, like a neurotypical toddler is around age two to three, is taking in and processing two million bits of information per day. 
that's massive. So if you take a kid who's connected differently and they are over-processing those 2 million bits of information, of course it's going to be really hard. But toddlers in general, it's a little hard, especially the world we live in today that's rushed and kids are not supported to play in a healthy way. Like like you've seen in the past in other cultures, at least in our culture, kids are just dropped off at daycare or, you know, whatever, or their day is packed with stuff. Everyone's running around all the time. Like kids, you know, don't really get a childhood like they used to. That has to have some effect on all of this as well. But my point being that it's hard for any toddler. They're taking in massive amounts of information. So imagine a kid who is connected differently and receiving information more strongly than their peers. It's going to be really rough. But there's also evidence that that type of stuff evens out over time with behavioral intervention or without. So that's very interesting, but you don't really see that acknowledged because a lot of money has been put into early intervention studies. Um, of course, some good is done from early intervention, depending on the child. Um, but the push for autistic kids and adults on a general playing field is just bizarre because every study shows how different we all are, how hard it is to study autistic people because of our range of diversity and, and by range, I mean, extremely wide range, but these studies are still done as if we're all the same in a lot of cases. Um, supports are put in place as if we're all the same. And this is exactly what I'm talking about with connection Connection is something that I've heard more than anything else about what people feel is missing and what led them to even realize that they're autistic or ADHD or neurodivergent in the first place. It's because they felt disconnected. They knew they were different. They didn't really know why, but some sort of journey led them to this light bulb moment. Oh, okay. This is why I'm different. This is why my connection is different. This is why I see people tapped in and connected, and I don't feel that way. It's probably the number one thing that leads to late diagnosis. Like, why am I different? Why do I connect differently? Why do I experience the world differently? Why does everyone else seem like they can just do stuff that I can't do, even though I feel like I'm smarter than them. Let's be honest. I know a lot of you have had that thought. Um, that's a real thing. Like, it, It's just very interesting. So why is this not studied beyond brain patterns? Why is emotional and physical and specific communication patterns and, and our different connections to all of those things. Like why are they not studied, but more on an individual level? Um, I've seen some random studies, but it's never like the goal of the study always seems very opposite. Like I'm not seeing studies or finding, and please send them to me if you know of these and I have missed them because I've been looking. I am not seeing studies that 
is done in relation to the supports needed. It is often with some sort of cure mentality, um, with an early intervention lens, you know, how can we improve this for people and make them more normal? You know, that's what the studies are doing. But honestly, ADHD studies are done very differently. And I don't really know the difference. I think it's because there is a lot more ADHD doctors, going to be honest. Um, and there, a lot of them are very proud to be ADHD. Um, they are able to get through college, I guess, on a grander scale. I don't know what it is. I mean, everyone knows that autistic people in general are less supported in every stage of life in a meaningful way. Um, and so I don't know if it's just that. They just ADHD people in general just have better supports. I don't know. Like, I definitely did not have them as a kid. Um, but I don't really know what it is. But there are many, countless studies related to ADHD that are pushed into the community and done on a wide scale from ADHD specialists of how to support ADHD adults. And we just don't see that in the autism community. And it's very interesting. Um, our studies seem to be done from a very different viewpoint. And if you are involved in studies or in academia and have any control over this, I'm begging you, please do these studies of how to support better autistic adults, especially those who had zero support growing up and were misunderstood and have all of the trauma behind it. And then we figure out that we're autistic and it just feels like that's it. We're still on our own. There's still not much out there. And I've been doing all I can to foster that, but it's really, really interesting. And you read these studies and it's just impractical. And I know that's my autistic pattern recognition that I have where I just pinpoint flaws in a system very easily. And I see it like when, when I read studies, I almost always roll my eyes when they're related to autism and a lot less roll my eyes when they're related to ADHD, because for some reason there seems to be a practical application to a lot of the ADHD studies, especially the ones focusing on adults. And it's very support based. And why the hell are we not seeing that in autism? We are seeing still just very early stages. I know it's a lot harder to get funding related to studies for autism because it's so hard to study. I think funding is a massive issue for us. I think ADHD gets a lot of the funding for their studies because it's so much easier it's less diverse. It's so much easier to study. It's also so much easier to put the findings in place because there is just less of a diverse range of brain connectivity and all of that. You know, it's it's just a smaller spectrum. Of course, ADHD is also a spectrum. It's just a little bit smaller 
Um, and I guess that's the issue, but we got to figure it out. So in the meantime, as I said, do my survey because I would really like to have your input and see what supports you are looking looking for and figure it out. Like, let's do something about this. That's basically where I am. Like, let's start at the beginning. Let's figure out where the gaps are in our community. And please share the survey as well on your social media if you can, because it's just very interesting. I would love to get our own data and figure it out um, together. I don't think you have to be um, in academia to do good in this area. So let's start there. I've been thinking a lot about connection and connectivity since the podcast where I shared about my son and him and my language together. Um, it's episode 24, learning the language of others and why it's everything. And this is just a continuation of that because I think how we connect is everything. I think once we understand how we connect to ourselves and to the people around us, then it opens up a door to connecting to ourselves and connecting to other people, but also teaching people how to connect to us if it's different, if it's hard for them, working with people. Um, I just think it's that same thing, like learning the language of people around you. We also have to learn connection and how it's different. And language is a huge part of connection. Communication in general is how we connect, like how we think is how we connect. And we typically think through some form of communication for some, like I hear words in my head. Not everyone does that. I mean, I can hear anything in my head. Um, like I can hear a whole song in my head, like I'm listening to the radio. Um, but I know like not everyone can do that, but even how we connect to ourselves is forms of language and things like that, because it's just how we communicate and how we process things in a lot of ways, but we're all different. So not everyone connects to themselves in that way. Some connect more emotionally um, or through vibes and feelings. And I definitely have a little bit of that for sure. But it's just that next step of learning the language around us, learning our own language, learning how everyone communicates differently. And that same understanding of there is not a better form of communication like everyone communicates differently of course there is more efficient forms of communication but definitely not better uh same thing with connection there are more efficient ways to connect but the fact that not everyone has access to those doesn't mean that it's better or worse or any of that um it's very important that we start this communication and this growth here by let's just start by listening. And that's what I want to do. I know that I have felt so disconnected, but what about you? Like take the survey. It has slots in there um, for what you think m as far as support might help you the most. But I really feel a lot of the 
idea of what's missing or what should we focus on really should be centered around connection. Thank you.